Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, and welcome to old-timey musings from an old-timer. Being a Brit, I started out singing traditional British folk music, and then I discovered traditional American music. And I thought at first that the two were miles apart. And so did a lot of the folks in the UK clubs where I played and sang. Um, these were traditional finger-in-the-ear English traditional music venues. You know, that was what was sung there. And they sort of turned their noses up a bit as I tuned up my banjo. But one of the main differences to me seemed at that time to be rhythm. Now, let me say, I'm no academic musicologist, so this is just my personal views. But English folk music was much more based on the unaccompanied a cappella tradition. It was, it was very free and not particularly driving as far as the rhythm was concerned. American music, by comparison, seemed to me was much more rhythmic. This was the, the driving rhythms of guitar, bass, banjo. It you know, had a much more powerful driving beat. And I love that, so it's not surprising that the first songs that I started to sing were things like uh, the new Lost City Ramblers' Crow Black Chicken and Clarence Ashley's The Cuckoo. But what I was missing was that the shared folk tradition with English and American music. And what I'd been listening to, what I was thinking was the soul of American country music, was in fact dance music. And I suppose it would have been more fair to compare US to English dance music, Irish and Scottish. In fact, often the same tunes that you see in Irish and Scottish dance music are the same ones as you see in Appalachian music. But ballads, of course, were also shared. Now, in my naive early days, I'd missed the tremendous richness of American music, sharing its roots with English, Irish and Scottish music. Of course, I only need to think of Alan Lomax collecting in America, and that would have shown me that I was very wrong. But my eyes or ears were opened by an event at my local folk club, a place called the MSG, or the Manchester Sports Guild, which is an odd name for a folk club, but they had a, a huge hall upstairs where they booked some really good singers. and also had a singers club that I frequented very regularly. On one particular evening, the top of the bill there were Ewan McCall and Peggy Seeger. And of course it was she who really woke me up because of her traditions of both English and American music and she was singing American melodic songs with familiar English roots and tunes. My songbook was not just filling up but was coming to be more varied. I began digging more deeply and uh, I know today we have Wikipedia and all sorts of tools. You can search online but in those days it was uh, a lot more difficult Research had to be done through books, records and sleeve notes and just talking to other musicians and singers. And I admit that not always reliable sources, but it was fun and enlightening as well. 
Just to illustrate this, let's take a look at a couple of examples. One song which really illustrates this for me is the old ballad Willie Moore. I found this on a cheap album by the late Alex Campbell. He attributed it to the singing of Daryl Adams, but he believed this tune was an old Scots tune, which was quite interesting. It, um, it has that, that slightly Scots flavour to it, so I can understand that he was probably, it could have well been accurate. Uh, it's a haunting melody line and supported by a very metronomic two-finger banjo picking that allows the vocal a lot of freedom. Here's a little clip anyway. recording was in 1927 by Burnett and Rutherford and that seems to be the one that most people have cottoned on to and have made some tremendous recordings of it. Perhaps the most famous is the one by Joan Baez. Also Doc Watson, Clarence Ashley have all had their had a go at it. The version subtly changed. It doesn't seem to be able to make up its mind whether it's a suicide ballad or a murder ballad. Shades of Pretty Polly perhaps. Or maybe it's just the old story of Romeo and Juliet. But it seems equally at home on both sides of the Atlantic. The crossover songs from one side of the pond to the other is fascinating, but really to be expected, I suppose. You know, 600 years of immigration, various wars with soldiers and sailors bringing their songs and creating new ones. And trade, of course. Though it has to be said, not always the sort of trade that we can be proud of. But it's little wonder that songs and tunes were used, passed on orally, adapted and subjected to what we call the folk process. So quite naturally the same themes will recur time and time again, as we see in, in Willie Moore in multiple versions and even multiple possible outcomes. Another interesting example comes from a, a common and familiar theme. It's called The Unfortunate Rake in various English versions. The hero was often a sailor or a soldier who lived the high life and succumbed to a social disease which eventually carried him off. It was a cautionary tale. A familiar version was called A Young Sailor or Soldier Cut Down in His Prime. Various traditional airs or tunes were applied to it and perhaps the most common was the one that crossed to the Americas, and one you may be very familiar with. Yes, it morphed into the streets of Laredo, where the hero, rather than being a soldier or a sailor, became a cowboy. Also interestingly, in... The American versions, of which there are a great many, but the hero 
seems to have met its ultimate end by card-playing and gambling rather than a social disease. Was this to make it more acceptable to family audiences? Or was gambling and card-playing seen as a greater sin than sexual promiscuity in the new world? Whatever, it spawned a whole catalogue of great songs and great versions, which brings me to one of the first a cappella ballads that I came across in my early apprenticeship in old-timey music. It's the haunting Tom Sherman's Barroom. The same old story, but sung unaccompanied, more English style than American, which makes it worthy of note. This is how the version by Dick Duval goes. Well, kind of goes, with apologies. As I roll down to Tom Sherman's barroom, Tom Sherman's barroom one morning in May. Ah, the headed spy, a gay handsome cowboy, all wrapped in white linen and cold as the clay. I first heard this song on a New Lost City Ramblers album and you can imagine that coming right in the middle of the the hard-driving banjo and fiddle tunes and dance tunes that they were performing, it was, wow, it set me back on my heels. As I said before, I'd associated foolishly unaccompanied singing more with the English, Irish and Scots tradition. But here it was, alive and well, in some incredible... American music. And the more digging I did, the more common I found that it was. Um, for example, listen to the singing of people like Frank Prophet and amazingly, Roscoe Holcomb. If you've never heard the music of Roscoe Holcomb, I would really suggest you're know, looking him up and listening to some of his singing. And one of the things that he was noted for was what was called the high lonesome sound. And this is associated with his unaccompanied singing as well as his incredible banjo, guitar and harmonica playing. A true multi-instrumentalist. In fact, there is a Folkways album actually called The High Lonesome Sound, which is just incredible. If you ever come across it, I would certainly advise getting your hands on a copy because it's, um, there's some amazing stuff on there. The standout track for me, in fact, is an unaccompanied track called The Wandering Boy. Absolutely worth listening to. It opened my mind and my ears to the incredible variety of American traditional and old-timey music. So I guess what I'm trying to say, or I've been trying to say in this podcast, is that American old-timey music is far more varied than you might at first think. I don't know why I was so surprised, because if you think about it, the reason why it was so varied was because of the huge variety of people who were actually making the music, who were singing, who were performing. From small family gatherings, to individuals playing for their own entertainment, to dances, to bands playing together, and people singing in church. They were working people, farmers, miners, cowboys, sharecroppers. Their roots might have been English, Irish, Scottish, German, even French, Swedish, African, Asian, and their instruments were whatever they could find. Or, if they couldn't find anything, 
They just sang, and it's the unaccompanied music was a real revelation to me. So my real advice is, listen. Listen widely. I promise you the variety and richness is like no other. Well, like they say, if the good Lord's willing and the creek don't rise, see you again soon. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.